Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Larea. And we are so excited to have you for episode 36. It is society and mental health. Does one impact the other? We're asking that question today. We're exploring that question. We're also going to talk a little bit about Simone Biles, who has been obviously in the news. If you're listening, paying attention, <laughs> what's happening in the news, Sonia, like, you know that something's been happening with her. Yes, um, we are going to talk about that. I want to remind everybody, though, to follow us on Instagram, check out our new website, and subscribe to subscribe to us on YouTube. <laughs> yes, please do. We um, we definitely have spent some time and effort and energy on our website, so we'd love to have you there. I wanted to um, let you guys know about something cool that's happening for us on Clubhouse. Um, we've started a new room in the Too Broke for Therapy club and it's called um the rethinking humanity men's <laughs> mental health hour <laughs> and um it's happening on mondays and wednesdays at noon eastern time um the way this all happened was very unexpected um but i actually started going to the tether men's mental health room um on a weekly basis or on a three times a week basis just because i saw and i thought it was cool and you know, we're passionate about men's mental health. We understand the impact that the patriarchy makes on men and all of us. Honestly. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, this is awesome. And then they announced that they were pushing back to only one day a week. And I had already been thinking this would be cool to do to like, it's just great for men to have a space and all of us to have a space to be able to share on our mental health, emotional health journeys. And so anyway, long story short, a lot of um, circumstances worked out really well. And now we've started this new room. So Mondays and Wednesdays um, at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific time, um, it's the Rethinking Humanity Men's Mental Health Hour. Um, Sonia was in with us today. Uh, Victor, our technical producer, was in today. It's pretty cool. Um, but there's a lot of I've been super encouraged by that. So we want to invite you to that and find us find us on Clubhouse and um, follow us and join our club on Clubhouse. But then also come join us for this mental health hour. We always love to have people on stage. We invite everybody who comes in the room to speak if they want to. So want to provide a safe place for that. And uh, super excited to announce it. So um, before we get into talking about Simone Biles and all the cool stuff we have for you today, I want to let you know, Sonia and I both, <laughs> our lives are so busy now. Like I came from the soccer field, so that's why my hair is like this. Sonia, your hair looks great. But she came yeah, from- I came from yoga. She came from yoga. So we're, we're like, you know what, people? It's not about how we look. It's about the content. So we yep. have a whole yes. episode on that. So, yeah. It's all exactly. good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, to get into it, I know that you and I talked the other day, um, and I think the rest of the world, most of the world, anybody who's watching the Olympics knows what happened with Simone Biles, that uh, the U.S. team, I think, was originally supposedly going to win gold, right? But Simone right. Biles, um, in the last, I think her last event, uh, pulled out and said, you know, she wasn't going to do it, that her teammates needed to step up, which they did. Mm -hmm. And she did this because of the stress. Um, yeah. She decided that um, it was too much. And, you know, her mental health is more important than winning gold. And the U.S. took silver. 
But I just think it's such a great story because it validates um, for society that we need to be looking at our mental health. And to see an Olympic athlete uh, take that, you know, that took a lot of courage, take that step. I think it's just, she should be applauded. hundred percent. I'm so proud of her. You know, it's amazing. Um, it took a lot of courage and vulnerability to do that. And I think um, when these, when folks start to be honest, like she's being honest about the pressure that it is to be in the role that she's in, mm -hmm. um, to perform, to be up to a specific physical standard, to be able to even perform in the Olympics. And people start to see what that really looks like and feels like. And, you know, she says in one of these articles I've read uh, this week about it, you know, it's like, I used to just stuff all this stuff and just, you know, and it would just, I would just have to push through and it would still affect me, but I just had it all here. And of course we know from about what trauma does to us in the body, it, it manifests itself in the body in, in a different mm -hmm. way. But what, what's beautiful about this is when, when folks like Simone say the truth, what that does is it opens up an opportunity for us to all really look at what we're doing and change what it is that we're doing and realize, dude, your expectations are way too high. You know what I'm saying? Like this yeah. is not realistic. This kind of pressure, this kind of performance is not the kind of thing that really makes sense to put on. I mean, and she's done this for years and years and years. Right. She's a right. teenager. You know what I was thinking about today, Lacey, a couple things. One is I was thinking about parents and children, you know, how um, they live vicariously through their child. Mm. And we know only a certain percentage are going to go on to play professional sports. But right. now we have this culture that just pushes the kids to like stay in that one sport and keep playing and keep playing. And a lot of them say, mm. then they learn, like then they start hating the sport where they initially loved it, you know, something yes. they enjoyed doing. And then they don't want to do it anymore because we have this pressure. And yes. I think that's really sad because where's the fun? Where's the play that we yes. need to bring back? I love this. And that transitions really well to this quote that I wanted to read from her. She said, um, she said, I felt like I was still doing it for other people. She said, so that, so that just like hurts my heart because doing what I love has kind of been taken away from me to please other people. Exactly. Huge huge. And I think it's a powerful thing for us in our lives, for us to live in a place that we're truly enjoying our lives, for us to realize, to be able to step back and observe ourselves and go, am I doing this because I want to do it? Or am I doing it because everybody else wants me to do it? And then from that place going, oh, I don't really want to do this. Everybody else is wanting me to do that. And then having the being empowered to say, no, I'm not doing this anymore because I, I actually don't want to do it. Or at least right. at that level, you know? No, I mean, that's that's a super powerful quote. And I really was impressed that the teammates and her, I know when they were accepting the medal, like they, she was giving kudos to them and they were giving kudos to her. And I think she's just opened that door for other athletes to also, or other people in general, to be like, enough is enough. You know, at what point do you push yourself to the point of where you're, you know, physically and emotionally, you're you're hurting, you know? Mm -hmm. So I yeah. just, yeah, super cool. That Our humanity that. is way more important, you know, and I think it's really cool. Two years ago, three years ago, 
this would not, this is, would be unimaginable. I mean, that's what this article says too, that like right. that somebody would say this, but it's really bringing mental health into the spotlight, which is one of the reasons, another reason I'm just like, dude, thank you for doing this because you're, you're bringing reality to the light. It reminds me of a um, documentary I started watching and I mentioned it to you, Sonia, it's called the weight of gold. I believe right. it's, Yeah, yeah, you did tell me about it. Yeah, yes. I believe it's on HBO, but um, okay. it's about the mental health and emotional impact of training to be an Olympian and wow. and, and actually participating in the Olympics. So I, I think that we're making so much progress, man, as a yeah, society. This is, this is big. Is, yeah, this is big news. I think the, the, the documentary you're talking about is, has to do with Michael Phelps, right? Yeah, he was the one who narrated that, yes. Oh, okay, okay, cool. So people could check it out, yeah. She also says, um, at the end of the day, we're human too. We're human too, rethinking <laughs> humanity, guys. Come on, rethinking the way we do yes. life. We're humans, yes. all of us are humans. She yes. says, we're human too, so we have to protect our mind and our body rather than just go out there and do what the world wants us to do. She mm -hmm. said, with the year that it's been, I'm really not surprised how it played out. So I just, I mean, the, I remember getting the alert and I sent it to you. Um, it says she withdrew from the women's team final because she wasn't in a good place mentally co to compete after facing so much pressure to win. I mean, this is just golden. And we applaud you. We applaud you, Simone. Yes. Right? Simone, Simone Biles. Mm -hmm. We applaud you, girl. We applaud you. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Cool. So um, that's a fun one. There was also something we talked about. Uh, you listened to a podcast about Blue Zones that was really interesting. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you real quick about that. I got a couple things. So yeah. you and I talked about this before because we always look at the different countries and cultures that attracts us both. So there's yeah. areas in the world and there's some areas, there's a place in the U.S. too, they're called the Blue Zones. The reason they're called the Blue Zones is because they have sent Arians, people to a hundred and beyond. Oh. And they've been studying this for a long time. Like why do people in these areas, that's why they're called the blue zone, live to be so, you know, live to be a um, hundred and more. And it's right. a com combination of many things, you know, of diet and lifestyle. But I think what really struck me, and I was telling you about this is the community that they are in a mm. community together. So they have support with one another. Mm -hmm. And obviously the lifestyle is not like our lifestyle. They're not working 80 hours a week. They're physically active. They're not going to the gym like you and I, but we, we do do that. But they're actually every day, you know, gardening or walking or going up the hill or doing, right. like, you know, being right. moving. So I'm really fascinated with that. And I know you are because you're vegan and they're, those communities are mostly, they're pretty much vegan. They eat very little meat. So that tells yeah. you like the plant-based diet is important. But why yeah. I think it's important to bring it up on the podcast, people can check it out, is because it's looking at our humanity, looking at how we're living and, you know, trying to make those changes, being more community-based, being more in touch with our environment. Um, yeah, I there's there's a lot of information out there. They can Google Blue Zone. There's Blue Zone Diet, the, like the cookbook. There's mm -hmm. documentary about it. There's a lot of good stuff out there, too. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's really important to observe the differences in how they're living, because I think that is a telltale, telltale sign of 
what's gotten them there, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, a hundred years old, man, that's, <laughs> that's legit. Well, that's I legit. mean, the other part about being a hundred, this is what I would say is I would, if I'm a hundred, I want to be a healthy 100. Hell yeah. You know, these are, they're walking around, they're dancing, they're cooking, they're doing things, they're living. Right. Right. They're not, you know, laying in bed. So there's a difference. And I would, you know, that's the goal is to get to an uh, older age, but be healthy. Mm -hmm. Somebody told me the other day, like, there's some kind of a really good whenever it's okay. Whenever it's like you're cooking, whenever you're, what was the other one? Oh, shoot. I was going to say this and now I lost it. It's like cooking, um, gardening, and some something else that are like really in the groove of life. Oh, of life. you mean like you're in the flow or something kind of? A yeah. Yeah. Maybe something like that, like flow. Mm -hmm. Anyway, gardening is kind of something that I've never really done. Have you ever done gardening? No. And I'm really envious of people that do it because I think you have to really be like, they'll talk to, you know, people will talk to their plants. They're, they'll, yeah. they're very connected with it, you know? And so you, you have to be present. I think it's not just like, you're like, mm -hmm. Oh, there's the plant. And so right. I like the idea of doing it, but I really don't have experience other than maybe, you know, small like plants that you put on like a balcony, but nothing like real mm -hmm. gardening, which I think is amazing that you see the seed going in the ground and then, you know, there's food that comes up yeah. out of the ground and then you're cooking with that, you know? You know what? I was with a little girl that I'm um, nannying this week um, and I took her to a uh, like a wildlife. It, it's like, it's not a zoo. It's like a game ranch. Yeah. Reserve. Uh -huh. Yeah. Like an animal yeah. sanctuary. And okay. we were able to feed the animals there. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because they gave us like lettuce and carrots. And <laughs> we fed these really beautiful white tailed deers. And, um, and we're sitting there and like giving them the lettuce, you know, and I'm like, mm -hmm. we eat the same thing. I eat <laughs> lettuce, you know, <laughs> it's like so funny. But, yeah, that's cute. Uh, you know, it's amazing. And we're totally way off topic here, but that's fine. Um, not really. Not really. <laughs> okay, you're right. You're right. <laughs> the other thing that's really cool about gardening and what you're saying about people talking to their plants is I have read studies that set, that show that they like like the, the plants that were talked to positively. Yeah. yeah. And the plants yeah. that were like, you're ugly, you're horrible, yeah. you know, like. <laughs> They ignored. Didn't, they didn't die. I know. That's amazing, isn't it? That's it amazing. really is. That makes well, me want to yeah. talk to yeah. myself more kindly. Right. You know? Right. It's all like connection with the nature, you know, that we're, we've kind of, we're disconnected now. Absolutely. Yeah, we need to get back to being connected with the, with the earth. Yeah, mm. absolutely. It's a, it's an energy thing too. I think like mm -hmm. there's positive energy when you're saying the positive word, there's negative energy. Yes. You know, so 100%, cool. Yeah. Oh, one other thing I wanted to say before we get into our content today, which is um, we're going to be talking about society and mental health. And if one impacts the other, spoiler alert, it does. But anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, I wanted to tell. OK, so we were talking about this the other day. So I've I my schedule has been a little bit different this week and my schedule has been one that I'm more, I'm like occupied in the afternoons with work. And this week I've been occupied in the mornings with work and go to the gym in the afternoon. And so I've been on this other schedule where I work in the afternoon and then go to the gym in the morning for so long that it was so different for me this week. So I really, really, really enjoy 
having the morning to sleep without having to wake up to an alarm, getting up, making myself a healthy breakfast, not feeling rushed. And the first thing I get to go do is something for me and my health other than eating, which is going to the gym and then um, getting to work at like one, 12 or one. And I was thinking, man, this is such a good way to do things because it's like, you know, for sure, you're going to be able to get the stuff done for yourself that you need to get done, whether mm -hmm. it's laundry, whether it's an errand, whether it's extra rest, mm -hmm. whatever. And I was like, hmm, you know what? If I was rethinking the structure of society and how we like schedule work and all that, mm -hmm. shit, I think it might be really good to, to be like, look, everybody, you are going to be home with your family, no pressure or with or without your family, whatever. No pressure to be anywhere for work until like in the afternoon. So that like you get you get to have that time to do what you need to do for yourself, to relax, to work out, whatever. And then you'll get the things that you need to get done for sure for yourself done because the way we do it now, most, a lot of people are like, I didn't have time to do that thing for myself. Yeah, yeah, I know you're telling me that. So, you know, yeah, it'd be nice if people could choose how they're gonna live and work, but we all can't do that, unfortunately. Not, not everybody, you're right, is that fortunate. And um, I feel very fortunate and thankful. Um, yeah, that's why we need to rethink with the way we do life. So on that note, let's transition into our content, which is again, mental health and society, do they affect each other? I already spoiled it. Yes, yes it is. Um, <laughs> but we're gonna talk more about it. Um, so, you know, we start out, I think it's interesting because, um, there's a line drawn between human needs, physiological human needs, and then like human, he calls them psychic needs, but they're the needs that we've been discussing for the last several episodes, mm -hmm. which is the need for relatedness, transcendence, rootedness, sense of identity, frame of orientation, and an object of devotion. So those are the physio, those are the human needs. And then the physiological needs are obviously sleep, um, eat, uh, drinking, and then sex. And so he talks about how um, basically like you can have all your physiological needs met, but if you don't have your human needs met, that actually leads to insanity. Yeah. Yeah. That was really interesting. Um, I love he he actually has a paragraph here that I wanted to quote where he says mental health is characterized by the ability to love and to create mm. by the emergence from incestuous ties to clan and soil by a sense of identity based on one's experience of self as the subject and agent of one's wow. Body, wow. which is really good by the grasp of reality inside and outside of ourselves that is by the development of objectivity and reason. I love mm -hmm. that because it packs a lot in there. There's a lot in there. Yeah. I, love, I love one's own experience of self as the, the subject, subject and mm -hmm. agent. You're right. doing it just, all right, let's go back to Simone Biles, right? She's mm -hmm. doing this for herself, not for right. other people. If she's doing it for herself, she's experiencing herself and whatever she's doing as the subject of her own experience, right? Mm -hmm. And the agent of her powers. The agent of her power is, hey, I have agency. I can say I'm gonna do this or I'm not gonna right. do this. Sure, right. yeah, mm -hmm. that's huge. I also like where he says by the grasp of reality inside and outside 
of ourselves because I think we're dealing now with a world where mm -hmm. there's altered realities for people. That yeah. is by the development of objectivity and reason, which, which we need that. We need to be objective and we need to reason. But we yeah. have to recognize what the realities, you know, we have to have that grasp. We can't just invent this, oh, I'm gonna invent this thing that's not the truth. You know, right. that, right. just, that, that creates a lot of problems because you have to start with being able to agree. If I say to you, we both agree, hey, it's raining outside. Mm -hmm. But if you say, no, it's sun shining and I'm seeing rain pouring down, how are we gonna get to decide anything when we can't agree on the reality that we're both looking at? <laughs> right, right. Well, and I also think it's interesting too, um, you know, the, um, well, shoot, I just lost my train of thought. We're talking about um, well, objectivity and reason, and uh -huh. reality inside and outside of ourselves. Oh, this is what I was going to say. Thank you. So, the development of objectivity and reason—he's connecting to mental health. Right. So, like, the more you are able to be <laughs> objective and reason, the yeah. more you are able to be mentally healthy. That does not mean that you don't have feelings. That right. means you understand yourself and your feelings. You have your feelings and you are able to understand. He says, grasp up the reality of inside and outside of ourselves. Inside of myself, I responded to that person because of my own past trauma. I got really upset at the person driving the red truck because somebody in a red truck traumatized me whenever I was a kid. Outside of myself, that was not anything crazy happening. It was just a guy in a red truck <laughs> driving by. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. So that's part of... Well, be being objective and also being able to reason. And being able to see what's inside of me, what's my yes. experience, how is my experience affecting what I'm perceiving and what's being being perceived by those everybody else on the outside too. Right. And the other yeah. real powerful part of this that we can't forget is the mental health is characterized by the ability to love and to create. Mm -hmm. And we know a lot of people struggle with the ability to love. As we just mentioned, trauma, um, whatever mm. happened to you previously, obviously, is going to affect your ability to love, to love health in a you healthy know, way. Right. That makes me wonder. It, it makes me think the question, I wonder whether those who have more free time to create are more mentally healthy. Yeah, I would I would err on the side of yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we maybe not in every si single situation, but if you have more space and time to love and to create, because love is not just a, it, love is not a noun; it's an mm -hmm. action. It's a right. it's a verb. It's it's a um, ongoing thing, you know. Then, if you have that time and space to do that, that seems likely that you would it would be a lot easier for you to be in a place of mental health. Right. I think we all are, um, you know, when you think about someone that's creative and or an artist, you know, I'm saying with the air quotes, I think we all have that ability to create, but we don't always have the um, resources to do it. The time, the, um, you know, the freedom. There's so many parts that get kind of stuff that we can't, we're not allowed with our society. Like if yeah. you're working, you know, 80 hours a week and you can't go do what you love to do. Right. So, yeah. And that would really make you go insane too, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, yes. I don't want to do that anymore. I actually put this uh, on Instagram earlier this week. 
And mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting. He says, man's solution to his human needs is exceedingly complex. It depends on many factors. And last, not least, on the way his society is organized and how this organization determines the human relations within it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I think what, you know, the big thing that we're going to get into now and that I feel like he really hits on here is how you cannot extrapolate society and mental health from each other. They are interdependent. They are right within each other. Um, You know, and part of that is because of the fact that we have these psychic needs that need to be met in order for us to be mentally healthy and mentally stable. And so the degree to which the structure of the society or the environment in which one lives can accommodate that has an effect on how healthy mentally people will be. Right. Um, I also wanted to point out in this chapter that he discusses how, which I thought was really cool, that um, the concept of mental health, it coincides um, with the norms that the great spiritual teachers. Yes. I thought that was really cool. You know, like Moses, Socrates, Buddha, Jesus. And Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting because he brings up the fact of or the part of humanistic psychoanalysis Mm -hmm. at the end he says that this is one particular difficulty which psychiatrists and psychologists have to overcome in order to accept the ideas of humanistic psychoanalysis Mm. and i think that's really interesting Mm. because that kind of goes against what their philosophy uh was and that's what I, i believe that from is really um really pointing out an interesting part about how that, you know, our humanity, like our practice of life is, mm-hmm. is affected, you know, by both the, by world and the nature with man, you know, it's all integrated. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. It's not a, just a physiological process is what Freud was looking at. So right. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. I love also what you say about, Um, mental health coinciding essentially with the norms postulated with the great spiritual leaders. Mm -hmm. Because You know, what's interesting is in my work in therapy, there's so many themes that I remember learning that I would later hear like in the Buddhist, you know, tradition, or it was like a Buddhist idea and Mm -hmm. this other idea that, you know, and other different religions. And so I think it's very interesting. And I think he points it, to this, that it's like the great teachings of all cultures were actually based on rational insight into the nature of man and like the conditions for his development. Now, would did they articulate them in the same way Frome did in this book? I don't know. I don't think, I don't know. But the point is, is like, we all can see that we need love. We need relatedness. Right. We need a sense of identity to not go insane. You know, I think it's very easy to not argue. It would be very hard to argue against these being needs that we have. And I think you could probably find, you know, insane people and pull that information like, oh, they don't have a sense of identity or there's no, they don't have relatedness, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's very interesting. I think those themes are like basically there throughout time, as you pointed out, you know, so the fact is you can look at the writings of any of these spiritual teachers and you see that the same themes come over and over again. Yeah. And so that's, that's huge for what 
we're trying to point out here because this is something that's timeless. It's not something that Fromm just came up with. Right, right. He also says, he says, man has to relate himself to others. But if he does it in a symbiotic or alienated way, he loses his independence and integrity. He is weak, suffers, becomes hostile or apathetic. Only if he can relate himself to others in a loving way, mm -hmm. feel one with them and at the same time preserve his integrity. Only by productive work does he relate himself to nature um, and become one with her. Uh, he says only if he develops his reason and his love, if he can experience the natural and the social world in a human way, can he feel at home, secure in himself and the master of his life? Ooh, mm -hmm. I like that one. The Let me ask you this question. When's the last time you felt like you were the master of your life. <laughs> I don't think our society makes that very important. No. Western yeah, but, culture is what I'm talking about. Yeah, Western culture, we, we definitely know that. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that uh, also Fromm gets into later on in the chapter, he, he gives a really good example. This is where that brings up the culture of primitive man. Mm -hmm. uh, if you were born, you know, back, if we go back, you know, hundreds of thousands of years and you're living in a primitive culture, Mm -hmm. He gives an example of an infant and, you know, how the infant's born into that culture. So the infant's going to develop whatever that culture, how that culture is. He's saying you could take that infant from that time. And, mm -hmm. and if you it's born in our culture, it will develop what our culture. Yes. So it's a really fascinating part of how mm -hmm. of his uh, of what he says. So you see how important the orientation is of where you are in the culture with our yes. evolution yes. and how much society is affecting our state of mind. Mm -hmm. I think it's very interesting too, that he, he says that the mental sickness of the adult, I love this. I love this. The mental sickness of the mm -hmm. adult then can be characterized as a fixation or a regression to an orientation, which belongs to a former evolutionary state and which is not adequate anymore mm -hmm. considering like the state of development the person should have reached so this makes me think of like people who are kind of stuck in childish behaviors right and they are they're like 40 years old or 30 years old or 20 years old or whatever you want to call it right and basically it's just you know the lack of growth and, and really, that's kind of you could call mental health or, you know, the lack of mental health, just the lack of growth in the healthy way from out of the stages of life. You know right. I mean? And this might um, kind of clarify for what I was saying earlier and it, also what you're saying, Lacey. Uh -huh. Human evolution is the result of cultural development mm. and not of an organic change. Hmm. The infant of the most primitive culture put into a highly developed culture would develop like all other children in this culture because the only factor determining his development is the cultural factor. Dang. Yeah. I thought that was really, really good. Hmm. Um, okay. It's just, it's just showing that our, well, our society, it's definitely the culture is what is affecting how we are, our development that we can't, we can't deny that. Hmm. Interesting. Huh, huh, huh. I didn't, I don't remember really, <laughs> like really processing this section. 
right, so I'm right. glad that you're bringing it up. This is cool. I did have that highlighted. Human evolution is the result of cultural development and not of an organic change. I really yeah. like that. Right. Well, that I think makes it clear how impactful culture is. And I, and I wondered those of you who are listening, how hard or easy this is to agree with or understand or whatever, if you agree with it. Here's the reason I ask, because I find myself to be pretty passionate about this stuff um, for multiple reasons, but primarily I don't think I would have related to it as much um, if I had not lived in another country. And Sonia, I know you and I both have done that. Mm-hmm. And when you go and you live in another country, it's a lot easier to see your own culture in a different way, but it's it's also easier to see, oh, there are other ways to do things, you know, like it's not just like the way everything, everybody does things in the U S is not the way everybody does things in other places, you know, or like the best way, you know what I'm saying? No, it's definitely like another experience. You're, you're actually starting fresh in sort of a new new space and uh, way, mm-hmm. the way you're used to living changes. Um, there's another part I want to read to you that I think is just phenomenal that he writes here. Yeah. Mental health cannot be defined in terms of the adjustment of the individual to society, mm-hmm. but on the contrary, that it must be defined in terms of the adjust- adjustment of society to the needs of man. And I love this because whether or not the individual is healthy is primarily not an individual matter, but depends on the structure of his society. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. Yes. And I want to read the little part before that, because I have this whole section highlighted. Okay. So good. And so that'll give all of us, you know, even more context here. He says, we have reached a state of individuation in which only the fully developed mature personality can make fruitful use of freedom. If the individual has not developed his reason and his capacity for love, he is incapable of bearing the burden of freedom and individuality, which kind of links back to our last episode. Mm -hmm. We talked a lot about how people are really have a hard time thinking critically, thinking independently, being freedom, sorry, being free. Um, to take and then taking responsibility for their own actions. And so then they project their powers on right. a leader of a group and then they don't, you know, they become obsessed and, you know, cult situations, whatever. Okay. So anyway, he's incapable of bearing the burden of freedom and individuality and tries to escape. Here it is into uh-huh. artificial right. ties, which give him a sense of belonging and rootedness. Okay. So then we get, get into these type cult situations. Right. Any today, this is a strong statement. Any regression today from freedom into artificial rootedness in a state in state or race is a sign of mental illness. Yeah, that's he's great. saying if we are tr- finding our rootedness in in a one in a country or in our race, race, yeah, that's a sign of mental illness. I know, I love it. Since such regression does not correspond to the state of evolution already reached and results in unquestionably pathological ph- phenomena. Unquestionably. Sheesh. Before yeah. I keep going, do you want to say anything there? No, I mean, I saw that I have that check too. That that says a lot. I mean, I mean, we're actually we're living through that now. We are. This is, it's it's crazy. This is this is our world right now. Um definitely the part that I like is where he says 
escape into artificial ties, which give him a sense of belonging. And yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's that whole outer directedness that, um, mm -hmm. what, what's her name? Who Sherry Turkle talked about, you yeah. know, versus inner directedness, yes. or we could call it, it's the same thing. It's like season one of our podcast, having or being, or being yeah. mm -hmm. you're being, you're being, um, motivated from inside of you versus outside of you, you know? Yeah. I, I like that from in this part is really putting um, a lot of emphasis on society, that society can hinder, you know, um, man's healthy development or it can help it, you know? Oops, yes. I have a dog here. I don't know, it started barking. <laughs> it's all good, it's all good. Um, so yeah, no, it's true. And he, I, I wanna read this next part um, because of how he like weaves in the needs of man Mm -hmm. being part of this. So he says, regardless of whether we speak of mental health or of the mature development of the human race, the concept of mental health or a maturity is an objective one. It's arrived at by the examination of the human situation and the human necessities and needs stemming from it. Um, and it follows that mental health cannot be defined in terms of the adjustment of the individual of society, which is what you said a second ago, mm -hmm. but on the contrary, that it must be defined in terms of the adjustment of society to the needs of man. So we can't say that somebody is mentally ill if, uh, you know, the man is, you know, in a society that doesn't accommodate his human needs. That's right. That's not fair. That's not how you evaluate it. You evaluate whether someone is sane when if you know if they're living in a society that actually accommodates their humanity. That's I think what he's saying there. Would you agree? Yeah, I also think that we have a responsibility that society it's something that we haven't thought of before, but we started the episode talking about, you know, a world class gymnast. If we're we don't have a society that allows us to be healthy then you know we it's actually the responsibility and this is what from saying it's not the individual it's the, the world it's the society you're living in so mm. for that to to change then you have to look at changing you know the way we do our society the way our culture is mm. and we, we know those are going to be big changes or they need to be in my opinion <laughs> yes yes and i think this is the perfect quote this next part to end this you know wrap up our episode on because you had read this to me when we met yesterday and mm -hmm. it really stood out to me. Uh, this is powerful. He says a healthy society furthers man's capacity to love his fellow man, to work creatively, to develop his reason and objectivity, to have a sense of self, which is based on the experience of his own productive powers. I E I'm choosing to do this. Mm hmm. An unhealthy society is one which creates mutual hostility, distrust, which transforms man into an instrument of use and exploitation for others, which deprives him of a sense of self, self, except in as much as he submits to others or becomes an automaton. Oh, my. Yeah. Society can have both functions. It can further man's healthy development or it can hinder it. And so it's just depends on how and what we choose to do with it. Um, but I think he does an amazing job of clearly saying what a healthy society does and an unhealthy society does. No. Yeah. You, you wrapped it up good. Yeah. That's a great quote from there. And um, yeah, I mean, we, this is kind of part of our whole thinking is that mental health is essential. 
to, you know, to all of our lives, to each of us. Yeah. And, you know, mental health has a lot more to do with the way we are doing life and the way our society is structured than maybe many people realize. And um, I think he makes it very clear in this content that it's inextricably linked. You know, our mental health, there's a ceiling on our mental health when the society doesn't value it. If the society doesn't value our human needs, then there's going to be a ceiling. I mean, no wonder we see crazy high levels of depression in our society. Um, lots of suicide. I was just going to say that during the pandemic, yeah. that the suicide rate went up really high. In the U.S., was one of the highest. Yes. And, and yeah. even before the pandemic, these were issues, right? So, I mean, I think there's plenty of statistics that show that this is an issue. And so I think the challenge is, you know, making these changes and, you know, getting to a place where greed is not at the root of all the <laughs> decisions we're doing. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. Profit. Oh, and yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. good stuff. Mm, really, really good stuff. Well, um, we appreciate you guys being with us today. We want to once again um, invite you to subscribe to us on YouTube. Check out our website. It's RethinkingHumanity.us. Follow us on Instagram. Come check out our Rethinking Humanity Men's Mental Health Hour on Clubhouse Monday and Wednesday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. And uh, yeah, like send us some feedback. We love hearing from you. We appreciate you. Um, we're uh, we're here. So yeah. have, have a great rest of your week, everybody. Yeah. Bye, guys. See you next time on the Rethinking Humanity podcast. Bye.